There are only 17 of these in the world at any one time. And on this episode of The Spirit of Leading, we're going to meet one of them. I'm Garland McWaters, and this is The Spirit of Leading Podcast. And I'm talking about the National Football League referees. In a game of brute strength and raw emotion where there's so much on the line every play, there's a crew of professionals whose job it is to keep it all under control. And the leader of that team is the referee. In this episode of the Spirit of Leading podcast, we're going to meet Clay Martin, who has been an NFL official since 2015 and a referee, the white cap guy, since 2018. And he also wears a lot of other important caps in his life. Clay, welcome to the Spirit of Leading podcast. Thank you, Garland. It's a it's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm uh, I've been real excited to uh, to get to talk to you because uh, it's a wild and crazy game, and it's a it's there's a lot going on out there. There's a lot of testosterone going. There's a lot of emotion. There's all this stuff, and and uh, we sit home and watch it on our big screen TVs and go, wow, wasn't that fun? And then there's your crew out there trying to keep it all sort of like in sh- you know flowing in the right direction. First of all, the obvious question is, well, how did you get there? How did you get from wherever you were to the, to, the, to the NFL football field? That's a fair question. Who, who typically signs up to, to do something where more often than not, people are not very happy with you. They, they don't always like what you say when you flip on the mic. And uh, so why in the world would you want to do that? But I, uh, you know, I've been, a, been an educator my entire professional career. And, and when my wife, Shannon, and I, uh, had our second child. She was just, she said, Clay, I'd really like to be able to stay at home and, and be a part of them on a day-to-day basis. And so as a, as a, you know, a, a check to check school teacher type guy, I said, well, that's great. You know, we both came from, from families where, where both of our moms stayed home. You know, in 2005, I made the decision to join the, the GTOA, the Greater Tulsa Officials Association and, and take up football officiating. I just didn't feel basketball officiating would, would be a good marriage with, since I'm a basketball coach by trade and had a lot of people take me under their wing and, and tutor me and mentor me. And, and Garland, what really happened for me that, that spurred my career long was after two years, I was working a spring scrimmage at the University of Tulsa and a gentleman stopped me after the scrimmage and just said, hey, why haven't you applied with us? This is Gerald Austin from Conference USA, longtime NFL official himself. And and I just said, sir, I've only been doing this two years. And he said, I don't care. I'd like to see your, your application. And lo and behold, the very next year, so for my third year in, I was doing Division One football. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the long answer is what you just got. The short answer is just needed a little extra coin in my pocket to keep mama happy and keep her at home with the kids that she wanted to do. Well, everyone has a story. And yes, uh, sometimes uh, they they move along quickly, and sometimes they take a lot longer to you know to happen. And then since for some people they never really get that break, or they don't get noticed. And I think that's, that's one. That, that's a great point. I, I'm like I said earlier, my timing has played a huge role in my opportunity. There's so many good officials that have done this 20 or 30 years that have never received the breaks that I have. And right. the longer I get to do this, I know how grateful and, and lucky I am. Right. Well, I, I think uh, there are a number of people who can relate to that. I mean, I personally can relate myself because I got my start in vocational education. I got to be a part of that system for a long time because 
someone I met incidentally, uh, he noticed me and he said, hey, have you ever thought about, you know, working in vocational education? And I said, I don't even know how to spell that. I mean, <laughs> so anyway, it worked out and Bruce, uh, Bruce Gray uh, brought me on on his staff. And then he said that within a year, he said, hey, let's I'm going to go to Oklahoma City and build a school. You want to go with me? And I said, well, sure, yeah, why not? And so he took me along and he mentored me and put me in places where I had the opportunity to meet people and grow from there. And, you know, it's, uh, you look back on, on a career and you have to really thank the people who took enough time to just notice someone besides themselves. That's a great point. And, and Mr. Austin was, was probably the biggest uh, uh, influence on me because he just said, you've got a chance to do this. And you're two or three into division one. He started saying the, using the, using the term NFL. And I didn't know if that was the forensics league or what he was talking about, but he saw something in me as did many of my high school mentors who said, you know, you've, you've got a feel out here. We think you could be doing division one. And, and, you know, to your point, just, uh, I think that's leadership when, when you see something in somebody that they don't at the time and, and uh, it's just part of it. But uh, I am a, a great benefactor of many, many people who saw something in me. That's a lot about what leadership is. Leaders build leaders behind them. They don't try and hog the spotlight. They're looking to build that leadership behind them. Which uh, kind of uh, takes me back to your role as an NFL uh, referee. Uh, so I just have some questions about what goes on <laughs> in the group. You know, I, I've always wondered about this because I see, you know, that, that it's a really high. It's visible when it needs to be, but you're invisible when, most of the time. You really have to to be on your game. And so, how do you get yourself sharp for that? How do you all prepare for any particular game? I think sometimes through failure, Garland is, I think we learn a lot through, through mistakes. Uh, maybe it's a mistake or a call that I made through in another game that I have seen now 150 times on video that I don't want to make again. Uh, but, but I think being forward focused, it's, you know, I hope that our crew of eight, so there's seven on field and a replay official that, that we're together every weekend. And it's my job, hopefully, to create that, not just the, 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 the attitude of feeding our crew, but also to keep them hungry. You know, what are we doing every week to stay hungry to get better? And so it's, it's my hope that our crew, through video, through rule study, when something happens on the field that, you know, is, is abnormal, that you don't see every week, but when, when that something happens, and it's going to at some point in the season, but when it happens that we've either a one of us has read it in the rule book, one of us has seen it on a video and somebody has a chance to step up by speaking up. And so, you know, trying to create situations during the week in preparation, kind of the expect the unexpected. What's an unexpected uh, something that could happen this week? And so we try to do that in our pregame meetings on Saturday you know, a segment kind of the expect the unexpected and, and create some scenarios that we don't deal with on an every Sunday type basis. So, you know, for us, yes, there's going to be holding most games and there's going to be pass interference most games and there's going to be those calls that just happen. But what are things that we don't have every week? What happens if, if a clock malfunction and it's under two minutes, and there was a penalty and all these things that, again, you don't deal with every week. And so it's my hope that somebody on our crew, somebody has read it or seen it and we're ready to tackle it. 
Well, you ex- you live and exist in a, I guess, a discipline where practice is paramount. I mean, you're a high school basketball coach at Jinx and have a very successful program. And so how much emphasis do you place on practice for that team itself? And how how does the NFL experience drive the way that you approach practice for your own players? Oddly enough, it's almost kind of in reverse, you know, because I've been a basketball coach so long and this officiating thing started a little bit later. It's amazing to me how much uh, I use, how many philosophies and disciplines that I use as a coach towards my officiating <laughs> and that daily grind to get better, that that daily grind to to not be satisfied or, or complacent, the daily grind to get others to believe in something bigger than themselves, you know, servant leadership, humility. And, and to your point earlier, it's, it's how do I get the field judge to be just as happy when the side judge has a, a phenomenal game? How do I get the, you know, is the, is the referee excited when the umpire has a great game? And, you know, we're all a team. We're a different type of team mm-hmm. than, than a high school basketball team. But teamwork is teamwork. We're working towards something different. But, you know, repetition and preparation and the will to get better is paramount no matter what you're doing. Right. Oh, just kind of in prep, I was uh, looking through the NFL's uh, explanation of the different places and roles and responsibilities of the, of the officiating crew. And uh, what hit me was that uh, you have to work together as a team that moves together as a team because as that play moves, you all have to move with it. And you all have specific things to watch that uh, come into sort of your field of view at any point in time in that play. You know, it depends on what, what kind of – if it's a run or a pass or if it's downfield or if it's at the line of scrimmage. It, 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 you have to be able to function as a unit and see the whole play from, what, seven different points of view to, That's right. to make it to, – to make a determination, to make sure it, it's, it was a fair play and that it was uh, – you're ready to move the game along. So, I mean, I, the, the, the idea of teamwork certainly seems to be even more vivid to me about the kinds of things you do. And oh, without a doubt. I think the word trust comes into mind <laughs> as soon as right. you started talking. Yeah. That's the word that yeah. starts you know, resonating in me because people will ask me, oh, my gosh, did you see that unbelievable catch? And I'm like, well, on the plane ride home on video, because right. yeah. <laughs> I'm watching a catch 40 yards downfield. I missed the hit on the quarterback, and yeah. that's a no-no in yeah. my position. And exactly. So, you know, we've all got different jobs and responsibilities that we're looking at and, and you have to have that trust. And it's the same thing with every other role I have. I, my wife and I have to have trust. My kids and I have to have trust. My high school basketball staff and I have to have trust. So trust is huge. And, and uh, you know, again, as a referee, you don't see a lot of the amazing plays until you're on the plane home watching it on video and, and you're trusting those guys around you yeah. just to be at the best. Right. Well, most of us, we don't see that part of it. We think, mm-hmm. oh, wow, that's a great, you know, but we don't realize that every, every official is watching only a certain thing, the very, very narrowly focused. And to me, that kind of sort of brings another, another question. How have you trained yourself to be that narrowly focused and not get distracted from the main thing that you're supposed to be watching? When the crowd starts cheering, you want to look up and, see, and say, did he catch it? Did he catch it? And you have no idea, right? right. Well, it's funny because, you know, you can use that crowd noise. I, For example, you know, if, if I'm watching the quarterback and I hear the, you know, a reaction from the crowd, maybe there was an interception, you know, and you can use that noise mm-hmm. to kind of spur you along. But I think just as you get into officiating, um, no matter what position you're working, you have certain responsibilities. 
And it's when you don't trust or when you try and, and get away from your responsibilities too soon, you know, something bad can happen. Right. And, you know, one of the biggest misses I ever had as a college official is because I wasn't focused where I should have been, you know, and I wasn't trusting other people to do their job. And I hear I miss a, a big time hit on a quarterback because I wasn't where I needed to be. And so, again, I think I mentioned earlier, failure has helped me become mm -hmm. better. And so maybe that mistake I made didn't cost us, but I can't rely on it not to cost us, cost us every time. And sometimes it costs us. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, when there's seven guys on field and, and 22 players, nobody's good enough to see all 22 individually. And so you train in your position to, to go through progressions and to go through uh, just that discipline of, of letting the play develop and, and let your eyes go where they need to. I know it's a fascinating opportunity for you, and I could just talk about that all for all day. Uh, I, I sort of want to use your, as I said earlier, your experience as sort of a metaphor for a couple of other things. One is the idea of accountability and the instant replay. How do you rely on the fact that there is a technology for an instant replay to help you be better? What do you do with that to be better at what you do? Well, I think at the end of the day, you want you want to be right, and you you want to be right and not cost a team a, an egregious setback or, or create a, an egregious disadvantage, an unfair disadvantage. And so, you know, when I got into to Division One football, there was replay already. So replay has been a part of my officiating journey since I left high school and got into to college. And so that's all I've known. And so, but at at the end of the day you try and approach it that replay is not there. I've got to be good enough to see it on the field. I've got to train myself. You know, I, I don't want to rely on replay. You know, replay, it, it, again, he's one of us. He's that replay officials are eighth official and, and we trust him just like I do my umpire. Mm -hmm. But I, I can't go into that play going, well, if, if I mess up, replay is going right. to bail me out. No, I've got to be good every snap and then if there's something going on that replay can, can get involved in, they will. Right. Well, I think of it as a learning tool, actually. I mean, we, we use it as something to make sure we got it right, because obviously in the spirit of officiating, you want to get it right for the players. Mm -hmm. And so you're doing your best to get it right, but sometimes you just blink or something, you just miss something. I mean, these things happen in a nanosecond, you know. I mean, we're, you used to watch them slow it down to like, it takes like five minutes to get through the 10-second play. But uh, but it looks different there, but that's not the way you call, that's not the way you see the game. It's kind of like life. It's always in real time. You know, we try and train ourselves, even when it happens in that nanosecond, that we're slowing it down and processing what we need to. But that's what I do like about replay is, is they, they try to make decisions based on real time, which is how we officiate it. Mm -hmm. And that's been a good tool for us. Well, we can all learn by being held accountable, and if we can, or, or if we can watch ourselves in action, because we don't, we don't see ourselves and experience ourselves the way other people's experience us. They see us from outside ourselves, and we don't have that luxury. So mm -hmm. it takes uh, something like a replay, or watching the game film, or whatever it might be, or watching a playback. You know, of something that I've done that uh, helps me to improve myself some way because it, it, right at that moment, it's not happening. So I think about how this affects uh, other professions. I mean, right now, there's a big deal about policing, uh, about, uh, about uh, the body cams and all that kind of thing, and pe some people are for it and some people are against it. If you want excellence in something, you have to be able to evaluate it. You know, you can't always, you, you have to learn, you have to train. 
uh, and you have to be in shape and you have to know what you're doing. You have to have skills because uh, no one wants to trust the person who doesn't have any skills. Now, listen, try, I, I try, my only effort at any type of officiating was in, when I was uh, a real young guy with the, with the JCs and they needed a volunteer umpire for a baseball game, Little League baseball game. I couldn't wait for that game to be over because I got <laughs> so tired of being hollered at by the people who sat, sat behind me. I just couldn't get anything right. You know, I thought, you know, and, and, and they were probably correct. I was probably a little bit <laughs> off on the edges. But, uh, but I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a different experience when you're experiencing it, and you have to have some way to be able to watch yourself and look at yourself and learn. And to me, accountability is that opportunity uh, for people oh, to coach right. us and to help us. Absolutely. And if, if you can't handle a self-evaluation or having your close friends or, or your crew members say, Clay, I, you know, listen, I, I don't think that hold is big enough. Why don't you leave it alone next time? And, but that's how we get better. Yeah. And, and that skin gets thicker and you have to look at it. And, and I, I hope, I hope that when the official evaluation comes out, I already know because through my own evaluation, whether that was correct or incorrect or whether I did what I was supposed to do or not, because hopefully I'm looking at that uh, very intently myself. Well, that's a great uh, that's a great point of view to have on that because a lot of times, if we we need to be able to have a way to call consciousness to ourselves, a self awareness about our behaviors and the way we're why we were acting and the way we're sounding and what we're saying and so forth, and and uh, just knowing that uh, there are other eyes on us to help us do that and we become conscious and aware of it. Hopefully, that helps us make our behavior better. But anyway, a lot of lessons to learn there, but I've got one more big topic that I want to talk to you about, and that has to do with the rules of the game. I'm fascinated by rules for some reason. I don't know. But it's, 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 I think rules are a metaphor for the way we engage ourselves to carry out life because we say, well, what is football? Well, football is a game you play on a certain field and, and with a certain kind of ball, and you arrange yourself in certain ways, and you just and, and so there's, there's something that defines what the game is, and that has to be the rules of play. Uh, the, and, 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 and as I think about, well, who's make sure that the game is played appropriately? Well, it has to be the officials. So I'm real big on rules because the rules define football. The rules define baseball. The rules define badminton. And, and so as you see yourself as sort of a guardian of the rules of the game, how do you shape yourself to, 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 to regard the rules, even though you might have even a disagreement with the rules. How do they come about? Who decides what the rules are and how do you get your crew get together so that you're, you're all of one accord and, and you're moving in the same direction on the rules? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, there's a lot to know. And I think for us, you know, it's our job to know them and know how to enforce, but it's also to recognize that this is the spirit. What's the spirit of the rule? You know, holding may be defined as a certain grab or a certain technique, but just because you do that doesn't mean I'm going to throw my flag. What is the spirit of that rule? I think that they know that the rule says, you know, A, B, and C, but if, when is Clay going to throw his flag? When does, when does you know, the spirit of the rule become a, a, a penalty? And so, you know, I think for us as officials, we do have a set of rules uh, that we've really got to be good at, but I think the really good officials and the really good crews understand the spirit of the rule and, and what makes it not okay. 
how much of a tug, how much of a grab, how much of a, you know, knocking somebody, the contact early on a passing play, how much is too much. And so, you know, obviously the rules are there for a lot of different reasons. Uh, some, most, a lot of them involve safety, which our game needs. Um, some of them involve just, you know, a passing play or a running play. And, and when does a team get an unfair advantage? And so for us, I loved what you said earlier. You know, we tried to be as invisible as possible. When I get home from a game and somebody says, man, I didn't even know you were there. I'm like, oh, that's the greatest thing I've heard all week. Um, but at the same time, if somebody gains an unfair advantage to put that penalty flag down or do what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate that. And I and the reason why I ask that question is the, the rules are how we sort of uh, govern ourselves in our community or in our society. And, uh, you know, we can live in an anything goes kind of world and like we just make it up as we go. That's called the wild west, I guess. <laughs> but or we say, you know, listen, uh, there are certain kind of conventions that we agree are, are important for everybody and and for everyone to be respected and everyone to be to have the full blessings of, you know, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness and that kind of stuff. So there's a spirit that goes with that. And uh, and the rules that we choose to hold ourselves to are things that we say okay as long as you act within the 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 parameters of the rules i mean there's no problem it's when you get way far outside those that we start to see a little bit of a difficulty and to me a a referee is sort of like a judge you know you're sitting on you're sitting in court and and you know what the law is of course you don't get to be a judge unless you know what the law is and if you've maybe hopefully practiced law it's important that there be some stability, also some consistency in not only what the rules are, but in the in the following of the rules and the adjudication of the rules. Mm-hmm. It just makes the game work. It makes your culture work. It makes your community work. And when people insist on playing outside the rules and want to do something totally different and, and walk away and say, eh, it matter. Well, you know, I think, you know, it, d- it does matter. And that's why, why we have those. I'm just so impressed with uh, any particular game and how the rules determine how the game is played and what the game actually is at that moment. Because football today is not the same as it was 25 years ago. You know, you're exactly right. And I love what you were saying. I mean, when I got into division one football, one of the ways we were taught was you you referenced the judge and, you know, you see a, a technique being used that could rise to the level of a foul. And, one of the things we were taught, well, well, that, okay, he's a suspect. He's a suspect. He hadn't committed a crime yet, but he's a suspect. And again, you know, whether it's technique or not, you know, he, he's a suspect, but until he, you know, gets outside the, the, the rule or gets way to the left or way to the right to, to quote you, you know, but that's kind of the way we, we look at it is, okay, man, something could happen. Something right. could happen. Ah, nothing happened or, oh man, he, there's enough there. So, it's funny because we kind of process things, or I kind of process things that way. Mm-hmm. We apply experiences from one area of our life to into other areas of our life, and that's kind of the way we grow, is mm-hmm. by crossing those over that's how life is so interwoven uh, with that in mind uh, what would you say some of your some of the important guiding principles are that you have that you say define you as a human being i hope for me principles as a leader as as a man as a husband as a referee as a you know i was a principal for many years 
um, with students. Um, but, but I hope that people would tell you I have the ability to listen and try and, and impact based on what I'm hearing. But the ability to listen, it's, you know, I, I've often told people some of the best conversations I've ever been a part of, I never said a word. You know, whether it was a student who was sharing with me, whether it was just listening to my wife. But I think the ability to listen is huge. I think the ability to, to remain humble is huge. Um, you know, I once heard a former Navy SEAL say, you know, when you're debriefing, you got to leave rank and emotion at the door. And I think as a coach, whether I'm watching film after a game or, or as an official, as a, a watching film, I've got to be willing to admit that God yeah, could have done that a whole lot differently and a whole lot better. Even as a, as a spouse or as a father, you know, why didn't I, I I've got to, if that situation happens again, I've got to be better. I've got to stay more composed. I've got to, you know, does my son or my daughter know that I love them? They may have made a poor choice, but do they know that I love them no matter what? I'm not happy with that decision, but do they feel my love through this difficult conversation? So I think humility is, is huge. Um, I hope that they would tell you I'm hopefully trying to get better every day. That complacency just drives me nuts. That it's it's so easy when you've you know had some success based on other people's standards to kind of hit the cruise control button and I think most people would tell you I'm still pretty competitive, um, but the desire to get better in all my areas of life, in my spiritual life, in my family life, in my professional life, am I trying to get better? And, and hopefully, you know, again, the ability to listen, the ability to be humble and the ability to get better. I, I hope, I hope I'm consistent in those, those areas. I, I, I don't know what people would say, but I, that's where I drive myself each and every day. Well, that certainly is a commendable and also good advice for anyone aspiring to a leadership role of any kind in their career, that uh, leaders, uh, people are always watching the leader. They're always, sure. always, always watching the leader. And uh, with that in mind, you know, you have to hold yourself to a slightly different kind of standard uh, because people's eyes are on you. Not only are they watching, if, see if you're going to to do the right thing for them, but mm -hmm. they're also watching to see how you deport yourself in terms of uh, your responsibilities and, and, and your values. So you can never under, undervalue how important that is that we are always calling ourselves into question. But, uh, but anyway, I really appreciate your time, Clay. I know you have other responsibilities today. <laughs> I guess I could talk forever on this. But, uh, but I, I appreciate your perspectives and sharing sort of your insights from, uh, uh, from your role as an NFL official and a referee. I really congratulate you on your success and being able to be in this role and have this experience. And I know you're going to continue to honor it as, uh, as you continue your service in the NFL. And we wish you well in that, plus your endeavors as a basketball coach at Jinx. And also the effect that you have on so many young people, you know, in that role. They just really uh, look up to certain people in certain roles, and I know you wear that well. I'm so fortunate and blessed that Jinx is so supportive of my other life and that uh, right now the both of these uh, both of these uh, jobs if you will marry well and uh, again it's the longer I get to do both I just have more gratefulness in my heart that both uh, are allowing me to do so. Well we have a lot to be thankful for in our lives usually and sometimes we don't always uh, appreciate that uh, every day like we should and uh, 
maybe an opportunity to stop and reflect on it will help us just be that much more appreciative. Well said. Yes, sir. Well, Clay, thank you so much. That's Clay Martin. Clay is a high school basketball coach in Jinx, Oklahoma, and also uh, a, an NFL uh, referee official, uh, one of 17 in that role and, uh, and active today. And uh, we really appreciate, uh, Clay, your, your perspectives, and we hope that uh, you have much, much success on down the road, and good luck with you and your kids and, and all Thank that you're you doing. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Well, that's it for this installment of The Spirit of Leading, and I want to thank you for listening. I also encourage you to recognize and appreciate anyone who demonstrates the spirit of leading at work and in the community. So when you join The Empowered, you will get a notification of my latest podcast or the latest post in my weekly Empowering Thoughts series. I ask you to please share this podcast with your friends and your colleagues. And until next time, I urge you to live empowered each and every day and unleash your creative energy by encouraging the spirit, enlivening the heart, enlightening the mind, and enlarging the expectations of living in yourself and in others. I'm Garland McWaters. Thank you.